morning everybody, it is Friday 30th of October and the world didn't end overnight after all. Wall Street fell 900 odd points on Wednesday and last night Thursday the Dow Jones managed a 139 point rise with a 1.6% rise in the Nasdaq as well. So the world hasn't ended, glad we didn't cash up. We did do a tiny weeny little bit of selling to reduce exposure to global cyclicals yesterday. Probably shouldn't have bothered. And our market had the futures up 36 this morning. We've been up 26 at best at the moment, up 15. So not exactly a confident rebound after a 97.4 yesterday, but the sell-off hasn't extended. We'll take that. Right, I've got a smorgasbord of stuff today. I won't go through it all in detail. Let's hit the main points. Dow Jones futures down 150 this morning. Lots of big results in the US after hours. Friday is the big results day. We have a host of companies that have reported after hours. Apple down 4.6% after hours on their results. Amazon down 1.1%. But Google up 6%. Facebook up up 5%. Ford up 2.3%. Net result, I think the Apple upset is what's taking the futures down. Net result down our futures looking a bit shabby. Five days to the election. Am I dreaming it? Or are the Democrats beginning to count their chickens? Pelosi is talking about the different shape of the stimulus bill after the Democrats get in and Biden saying he will consult with United States allies on China tariffs when elected. I reckon that's one of the major points of the Democrats getting in. Notably, I say the Democrats, not Biden, because Biden isn't a personality like Trump. Biden is the establishment returning to the White House, which I think would be a welcome thing, whoever the actual president himself was. Personality shouldn't make that much of a difference, quite honestly, but it's been all personality for years. But one of the major positives, should the Democrats get in, is a more conciliatory approach towards trade, working with trade partners rather than intimidating them. And it looks like Biden is making hints that that's the approach, which would be good for the market markets would be good for global GDP, would be good for sentiment generally to have things on a more predictable basis with trading partners. Anyway, you do get the idea that the Democrats are beginning to count their chickens ahead of Tuesday. Trump is paying $2.50 at the bookies, Biden $1.56. Trump's made some ground in Florida, Arizona, he's level pegging. But the worst case scenario, whatever the winner in the end, the worst case scenario, short term for the financial markets is a long drawn out contested result goes to court. Hopefully we won't see that. Hopefully if on Wednesday we see some clarity one way or the other, I think there'll be some market relief. The RBA meets on Tuesday, same day as the US election. The ECB, European Central Bank, met last night. They emphasised that the risks are to the downside and they're ready to recalibrate policy, which is the perpetual message from the ECB or from Europe central bank that they will do whatever it takes whenever needed. And that is central bank policy summed up globally at the moment. Interesting comment from ANZ ahead of the RBA meeting, the ANZ strategist that is. He says money is effectively free already and anything the RBA does therefore is pretty much irrelevant. As anyone who ever paid 17% on their mortgage will tell you, the market's preoccupation with potential for interest rates to drop from 0.25% to 0.1% 
1% is a Anyway, you'll see a chart of the 10-year bond yield in the strategy piece today. That continues to tail away, which is not really a great signal for the equity market because it suggests economic optimism's fading a little bit. And also, we've seen a weak Aussie dollar. That is a barometer of global economic optimism. It was 74.13 on September the 1st, and it's now 70.25, looking like it might duck under 70 again, which again is a pretty poor reflection of global economic optimism, and it's clearly been affected or peaked out in the last month by this winter wave in the Northern Hemisphere, which threatens lockdowns, which we're seeing in France today, and therefore threatens global growth costs. Meanwhile, huge rebound in US GDP overnight, biggest expansion ever, up 33.1%, following a 31.4% fall in GDP in the second quarter. The economic recovery is clearly on, as long as there aren't more lockdowns. And that record rebound is what $3 billion buys you. Sorry, $3 trillion. $3 billion wouldn't buy you much. $3 trillion buys you because personal spending has driven that rebound and that's a reflection of government stimulus checks and unemployment benefits through the Federal CARES Act. There is some suggestion fourth quarter GDP will slow down again depending on case numbers and timing of a vaccine, but vaccine hopes are clearly for next year. It's not ready yet. And to sort of sum up the recovery, 22 million jobs were lost in March and April in the US. They've got 11.3 million back. So despite the bounce and despite Trump twittering how fabulous that is and how he's no doubt personally responsible for that, the US economy still has a lot of room for recovery. Odd then that the S&P 500 trade is trading at the top of its trading range. Anyway, virus cases getting worse. We've talked about Europe and European lockdowns, which start in France. But the US, 72,000 cases. That's a record seven-day average. 41 states seeing increasing cases. Concerns about hospital capacity returning. 227,000 deaths. It's not getting any better, is it? This presumably is something that Biden will have to address because Trump certainly doesn't seem to be interested in addressing it at all. We've got Chinese PMI numbers today. Chinese GDP was 4.9% last quarter and looks like returning to the pre-COVID 6% sort of level. Fortescue's up 4% today after reduction numbers yesterday. They made the comment that Chinese steel sector has beaten all expectations this year. And the quote from the CEO was, the market does sometimes underestimate the strength in Chinese crude steel production. In other words, you're underestimating Chinese crude steel production. Share price doing rather nicely today. Also a feature today is ResMed had some very good results, 9% today. APT Research, after the September quarterly sales numbers, I've published that in the strategy piece today. With the chart, there is a sell signal on APT. And whilst Morgan Stanley and Ord Manette have target prices 15% above the current share price and buy recommendations, you might notice UBS think the king has no clothes. They have a sell recommendation and a 28 $28.25 target price. Current price, $99.51. That's 71% below the current share. They are saying what we all know to be true in the numbers, but nobody wants to believe. Oil price down 3% overnight, down 9% on the week. The winter wave is not going to help global growth prospects, which doesn't help the oil price. Plus, OPEC's rather dysfunctionally failing to agree to rather woolly production cuts for 2021. I've got the chart of the energy sector in the strategy piece today. That sector is in downtrend. In the short term, it's in down.
downtrend. It's gone from overbought to oversold in the last few days. That's a very short-term daily chart signal. At some point, this is going to be the recovery sector. Come the day the vaccine arrives, case numbers peak, international travel restarts, people start driving to work again. It's obviously not yet. You've got to keep the energy sector on the watch list for a recovery at some point. And lastly, gold, the World Gold Council tells us central banks have sold gold for the first time in a decade as stockpiling, presumably over the coronavirus scare, slows. The only gold exposure, or not the only gold exposure, we hold some rather disappointing holdings in Newcrest and Northern Star. Actually, Northern Star we're up on in the end growth portfolio, but Newcrest we're not. But our other exposure is in the ETF portfolio. We are down 12.2% on our GDX ETF, which is the New York Stock Exchange Gold Miners Index. It's only a 5% holding, which has dropped 12%. So not too fussed about it, but gold not doing terribly well at the moment. Right, we made a few changes to the growth and income portfolios yesterday. I've published those in the strategy piece today. You can see all our holdings, all our weightings, and how we're performing on every stock. This is the list we go through every morning, checking charts and stories. And you'll see the performance numbers there as well. And interesting, I'll just say on all our portfolios, stock selection, stock selection we've done very well sometimes, but generally speaking, chasing an accumulation index is hard work. And it really does, when you look at the performance charts, it really does make the point that there are big decisions that make a difference to performance. And our big decisions have always been the cashing in and cashing out moments. And those are the things that create outperformance. Otherwise, the daily stock stuff, if you're holding 30, 40 stocks, which we've ended up doing now, you're following the market around rather than leading the market. The only other time we significantly outperformed in growth was when APT was initially taking off and we had a big holding and we significantly outperformed for a period. So you really have to catch a flyer. Otherwise, you have to get the asset allocation decisions right to outperform in a well-diversified portfolio. Anyway, you'll see those performance charts of the income and growth portfolios in the strategy piece today. But as I look at them, it is quite apparent that you either have to take a lot of risk and be either really, really good or really, really lucky and catch some of those fast-moving growth stocks, but you're taking significantly more risk doing that. Or you have to get this asset allocation right and do what we did earlier this year, which is cash out at the right times. Anyway, it does feel that funds management in a big diversified portfolio is average stuff. You really do have to make big decisions to make big outperformance. Anyway, moving on. Seek, targeted by shorters yesterday. You might have seen Blue Orca, which of course means Blue Killer Whale, writing a bit of self-serving research yesterday on Seek, saying the share price was worth a third of what the share price is. I just find, although shorters make a market and it's part of the market and you can't complain. It does seem, and I know from those petitions to end shorting that seem to appear on the ASX website all the time, it does feel wrong or odd that 
Fund managers are allowed to write research in stocks they've recently shorted and then try and kill the share price without compliance issues, whereas brokers have all sorts of compliance issues. They're not allowed to front run their own research, but it seems fund managers can anyway. I think the fault, dear Brutus, is not in the fact that people are shorting or writing bits of research. It's the fact that we take the negative research, which is a human thing, I suppose, far more seriously than positive research. Companies don't go into trading halts because a broker puts out a buy recommendation, but here we are with someone, although Blue Orca do have a bit of form, but here we are with someone who's a self-serving research writer putting Seek into a trading halt with a sell recommendation. It's not really a sell recommendation. An expose saying company's not worth. Anyway, all seem a bit odd. I have published the level of shorting, broker research, and the chart of Seek in the newsletter today. There was actually a sell recommendation maybe a week ago or so. The broker research has an average target price 3.9% below the current share price. Maybe it it was a sell anyway. Lastly, technical observations. There's only one buy signal. Interestingly, it uh, caused a bit of a giggle this morning. Uh, The only buy recommendation was in the S&P 200 inverse index, which is one of the indices provided in our database. It does the opposite of the ASX 200. So the only buy recommendation was to do the opposite of the ASX 200. Thought that was funny. 50 sell signals today, and I've put a table of all those rather than do the individual charts. There are just too many to look at. But a lot of sell signals around at the moment. That can turn on a sixpence. A lot of stocks coming oversold now. And you can see the list in the strategy piece. Right, that's about that. It is Friday. I'd love to go for a long lunch. Or maybe I can at the restaurant. So anyway, mark it down 11 points as I leave you. Dow futures down 212. Not great. Features Fortescue up 4.3%. ResMed up 9.5%. AMP up 20% as they get some interest in one of their asset sales. That's about that. If you heard my dog barking in the background, it's a cavoodle. It's for sale. $8,000. Apparently you can flip a cavoodle on the internet now. Buy them for three grand. Sell them for eight. You have a lovely day and I will see you tomorrow in the weekend email. Thank you.